Okay, everybody, Parsha's Achimos Kedushim, uh, another double Parsha, uh, completely different than uh, Tazriya Mitzora. Tazriya Mitzora is basically monogamous, which is, you know, kind of all about Saras, whatever it is. Um, Achimos is, is completely different than Kedushim. Achimos is largely the Avodah Beis and Yom Kippur, followed by the list of uh, the Halachas of Kisri Adam and covering the blood if you do sh- certain types of Shrita, uh, the Halachas of Arayos, right, warnings not to be immoral and promiscuous like the Mitzrim and the Kananim, uh, to make sure to keep uh, holiness uh, in Am Yisrael. And then Kedushim just it runs the gamut. Uh, a lot of Ben Adam Lachavero, I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, has the second most mitzvot uh, in a Parsha behind Kisete. Um uh, things like Kabbalah Yisavicha Yisimacha, Avtelarecha Kamocha, Mepnei Sevatakum, Losikom Velositor, Don't Take Revenge, uh, all these types of stuff. Obviously, we're going to try and do both parshas justice uh, in the short time that we have. Uh, but it's certainly, obviously, you know, tremendous amount of things you can study in this week's parshas. Anyway, let's just, let's just dive in right now. Um, the first thing that Akash Baruch Hu tells Moshe to tell Aaron. Again, the parsha starts by Achremos Shnei Bnei Aaron after the deaths of Nadav and Avihu. That's kind of just picking up for a second. Right at the uh, from what happened in Parsha Shmini, but it, it jumps almost immediately into, uh, or really immediately into the Avodah Beis Hamikdash on Yom Kippur. Uh, and the first thing that Moshe tells Aaron is Al Yavo B'Chol Esal Kodesh. Don't come always to the Kodesh, meaning to the Kodesh Kadashim, where obviously Aaron went once a year, right, to do this complex Avodah in the Beis Hamikdash. And Rashi there says, right, Lefisha Gilu Shchinasi Sham. Right, Rashi there says that it's because Akash Baruch Hu Shchina is there. And therefore, Yizayir Shalu Yargil Lavo. Be careful so you don't get used to coming. And the question is, what in the world does Rashi mean? Aaron is going into this place once a year. What do you mean, get used to coming? Aaron's coming once to the Kodesh Kodashim. He's going to get used to it. He has to have this seven-day preparatory uh, process, and he's got the whole complex thing. He's busy on Yom Kippur. I can't even imagine he's thinking about food because he's just so busy. He comes once a year into the Kodesh Kodashim, does this special avoda, and leaves. What do you mean? So you shouldn't get used to coming? What do you, what is, if, if I don't, again, aside from all the halakhas of Kedusha, etc., if he would show up, let's say, once on Pesach, right, six months apart, that would ruin it? That would, that would, that would ruin the mystique of the, of the Kodesh Kodashim? What do you mean? Al Yavobu Chalisa Kodesh. Don't always come, right? Don't always come because you're going to, you lose appreciation for it. So Rav Chayim has an unbelievable Musar Haskell. And as, you know, very often in, in Judaism, the question is the answer, that yes, uh, a person, when he does something more than once, twice, three times, etc., there is some sort of familiarity. There's some sort of what he calls hergil, when you get used to something. As he quotes the Chassid Yavetz, and, and that takes away the appreciation for it. Right? He quotes the Chassid Yavetz in his commentary to Perkalvos and Perkalvos, uh, Mishnah Dalet, and he says that the Pazik, he quote, points out that the Pazik says in Yechezko, I'm not going to quote it now just to, to save you, but it's in, in uh, save you some time, but it's Perak Memvav Pazik Tess. Uh, basically what it says there is that people who would come to the base on Mikdash, whoever came in the northern gate would leave through the southern gate, and whoever came through the southern gate would leave through the northern gate. And they, basically they wouldn't go out the, the gate that they came in. So there wouldn't be, right, there, there would be some sort of newness. There would be a lack of familiarity. It wouldn't be just the same old gates and walls that you saw on the way in and the way out. And he points out this hergel, this getting used to things, this mida is a terrible enemy of Kedusha and growth. Now, when a person is ready to fly, when a person is in the Beis HaMikdash, right, even if he's in the Beis HaMikdash, hergel, this being used to something, can come and douse water. Right? To be poetic, it'll douse water on the fires 
of inspiration. That's that's the lashon that he uses. That's I'm not I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not writing that poem. That's what Rav Chaim writes. So if we, just to illustrate, for example, when I for my Bogosha, my 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 mother-in-law, my stepfather-in-law have a place in the old city that overlooks the Kotel. So when I first came and I saw the Kotel outside the kitchen window, outside the dining room window. I was like, oh, you're like awestruck. Like you can't even, you can't even walk around. It feels weird to like, you know, cook dinner. <laughs> like it feels to do anything. But just with the with the coattail, just kind of looking over your shoulder almost. Um, and now, obviously, it's much less so, right? Even though it's still amazing, Baruch Hashem, but like it's obviously much less so. I don't feel weird over there. And this is what Aaron Akoin was told, right? He's told not to get, don't get used to it, right? Again, in Akinami, even with all the preparation and, and the special specialness of the day, even then. He was told not to get used to it. And this is the message to us, that we should try not to get used to uh, a spiritual experience, to try and somehow make it new every single time. Don't get sucked in uh, by the hergel, right? You can, by, the, by the getting used to it. You can all think of spiritual and religious things that were at first very exciting, but by now, when you do them, eh, it's not so exciting. Right? For example, tefillin, very exciting at the beginning. Nowadays, chas shalom shouldn't say bit of a pain, but but it's it's not exciting like it used to be. Uh, it's the first time for the ladies if you if you light Shabbos candles, if that's your minutes, the first time you light Shabbos candles, I'd imagine was very exciting. Uh, first talus, right when the guys get married, right? That obviously the beginning gets exciting, and later on is not as exciting. So you have to pre- we have to appreciate it. We have to appreciate spiritual experiences, keep them fresh. Now, obviously, I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. Obviously, those are mitzvos. Right? You should do those things every day. You got to put on tzitzis. You got to daven. You got etc. But the goal is not to let it become rote and commonplace. Right? Chos- Yavitz writes that a man's nature is to get bothered by things that are done all the time. Right, that's a space out to not pay attention to just glaze over and just get them done with. Right, it happens uh, with every Torah all the time. A person could say, oh, "I heard this already," doesn't need to hear it again. Even though there are some bits and pieces that perhaps he hasn't heard or didn't hear it phrased in that vein, or, or maybe there's a new insight, or maybe he just wasn't paying attention the last time. That right? person should try not to say, "Oh, I heard this already." Right? You should always try and take away something new. Uh, I remember once I got a great muster from my cousin, or cousin Yaakov Grossman. Uh, I went to him for Shabbos once, and he was learning Subas. And he, the first page, and he was learning very slowly. I could tell he was learning on Shabbos afternoon, and he was learning very slowly. And I asked him if he'd ever learned Ksubis, because I happened to have been learning at Shonabet. Uh, I was in Yeshiva. Uh, and he said, he paused, he shook his head, and then he said, really I have. But you got to come to every time. You learn a new Masechta, when you start a new Zman, you got to come to every Masechta fresh, right? as if you have, you've never seen it. So it's hard, obviously very hard to do if you know what the Gemara says, right? if you learned it already. But that's what he's. That's the idea. That you have to come and try to come to whatever spiritual experience it is, right? Whether it be learning or mitzvos, right? To come with a fresh attitude. Right? Rav Chaim, for example, quotes a Quran brachos. There's a similar similar lashon uh, in uh, Pergiavos Paragimel. I think that's this week. I think it's this week, right? Mishnah Vav. Uh, but the Gemara in brachos at the beginning, somewhere at the beginning, I don't remember exactly where, has a similar lashon. It says, shafilu echad ve'osek shashchina imo. How do you know that if a person is sitting and learning, even one person, right, goes through, how do you know that a, a shechina is by a minion, and with three people, and with two people, even with one person? How do you know if a person is sitting and learning Torah that a shechina is with him? Quotes a Pazik. Says Rav Chaim, forget the Pazik. Notice what it says. It's that someone is Yoshev ve'oseik batorah. Someone that is not sitting and learning Torah. Someone is delving into Torah. What we say, lasok b'divrei Torah, right? To put work, to put effort into the Torah. It doesn't say, says Rav Chaim, even though these are very nice things, right? Just learning, let's say chumash, or just saying tehillim, or davening, 
Right? It says, how do you know that the Shekhinah is with a person? When a person is sitting and working and putting effort into the Torah. Right? That what would a Kosh Baruch Hu say for every single halacha? Paying attention. Right? Putting in effort. That's not hergo. That's not something you're just doing by rote. That's not something you're just reading. Stop. Right? He says, says Rav Chaim, that's exactly what happened with the man. Right? At first it was a Pella. Right? But Israel was like, what is this? What is this? That's how it got its name. But later in the Midbar, right? But Israel, you know, say, they were, they were disgusted by it. Right? And that's the challenge we have every, every Seder. Right? But someone said to me, uh, we were eating by them, I think last Shabbos, and they said to me, the Seder's so boring. And on the one hand, I hear, I hear, I was a kid, whatever, okay. But, uh, you know, whatever. I, I hear, because it is the same every year, but our challenge is to make it new and fresh and exciting, right? It's Dafka in a question-answer format, because otherwise you're just reading facts. You're just reading a novel. You're just reading a book. We read it. We read it every single year. If you live in America, you read it twice a year. Right? You live in Chutzlaretz, you leave it twi- twi- twice every year. So that's Hergel. That's boring. Right? The goal is, obviously, uh, the, the, the Haggadah itself says that even if you know the entire story, you have to say it over. Why is that? Because... We, in the language of Sipur, right? Sipur connotes a newness. That's what Rav Chaim Shalva says. That Sipur is something new, a chiddish. Right? Something else comes out from telling the story over. And that's why it's back and forth. It's a discussion. Because the goal is to hear it in a different way, to come to a new appreciation right, of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, etc. So that's the challenge that awaits us uh, in Yiddishkeit. Not to do things necessarily by rote, uh, but by to keep learning and striving and growing and adding new levels of understanding uh, and appreciation. Right? Not, not only because we should strive to know more, but because this new understanding leads to greater level of excitement and energy, right? Again, if you knew, if you know a new halacha about tefillin, about tzitzis, about kashrus, about Shabbos, right? So you, you keep that. You you are more focused on it. it it's more exciting, right? You be mekayim this dinner, that minhag, or that halacha, right? Keeps it fresh, keeps it real. So we all have to find those as much as we can, right? So make sure that we try not to fall uh, into a routine. Okay. Parsha Chimos, right? The end of the parsha, again, as we mentioned, uh, says that. Uh, the don't uh, don't do any of the arayos or all these forbidden relationships that all the kanim and all the mitzvahim and all the the goyim have, um, and then it says something fascinating that perhaps it says a couple times right it, it, it highlights it a couple times also kedushim if I'm not mistaken says says it as well. Pesach says vatitimah haaretz vafkoda vuna aleha right that the land can become tamei and Hashem will kind of have the sins kind of pile up on the land vataki haaretz esio shveha. Right? And the land will literally, vataki is to spit out, is to vomit, is to throw up. Right? We use that, that's a Hebrew word nowadays. Lahaki is to throw up. Right? You get a phone call from the kid in Gan, Lahaki, right? He threw up, or, or, or he caught, right? He threw up, whatever. So that's the puzzle says that the land will spit out as Yoshveha, its inhabitants. Right? And the puzzle says again, oh, another puzzle. If you, if you, or matame the land, if you make the land impure, the land will spit you out. Right, kasher That just like it spit out the previous inhabitants of the land. Right, talking about the Canaanim who Bnei Israel were about to inherit. Right, basically, Kosh Baruch was warning Bnei Israel, don't be like the other nations. Right, the previous nations who lived in Eretz Israel, right, they sinned, they contaminated the land with their immorality. That dafka, that halacha, that's what we've been talking about the last, you know, twenty psukim or so, and the land spits them out. Right, don't do what they did. Don't let the land spit you out as well. And if you read the psukim, right, if you read just the text. You see something incredible, right? That that we never think of a land having any intrinsic, I don't know, individuality. It just it's, what's the land, right? You go, you're just walking. It's just the, the 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 basis for the house that you live on. The roads are paved, and the place you walk around. You don't think of 
the land having any qualities in of itself. But the public says very clearly, right, the reason for the exile of the Canaanite nations, right, was because they made the land impure, right? They were Matame Eretz Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael couldn't handle it. And so the, the land spit themselves out, right? So the Bnei Yisrael were, were warned not to kind of write a sequel, right, to, to that. The problem is, the problem is that the Gemara says, interestingly, in Ksubis and Dafkofi and Aleph, right, Amar Rabbi Lazar, Kol Hadar Eretz Yisrael, Shori Balavon. Anybody who lives in Eretz Yisrael lives without sin. Shanani quotes a puzzle, right? Okay, so how does that even work? What do you mean? Everybody in, lives in Eretz Yisrael lives without sin? Right? Balaturim writes, and Parshish Kedoshim, right? Vinislach, lo, mechatasir, sherechatav, v'chizavo, alaaretz. Those psukim are back to back, right? That, uh, that basically Hashem will forgive sins that were happened, and then the next puzzle starts when you come to the land. The Balaturim says the reason those psukim are back to back is because this is Gemara. Kaladar, Eretz Yisrael, Shorib, below Avon. Anybody who lives in Eretz Yisrael lives without sin. So, by now, you could probably figure out the question, right? <laughs> if on one hand, if you live in Eretz Yisrael, you live there without sin, how can the land be metame, uh, become tame with the sins of Bnei Yisrael? There are no sins. What does that mean? So I saw a beautiful answer by Rosina Adler, right? That makes a lot of sense. Rosina Adler was a Holocaust survivor with Nifter, I think, a couple years ago. Um, was it last year? Uh, all the years since COVID are, are a blur. But Rosina Adler, who's was Rosh Kolel in, in uh, the Israeli, the Israeli Kol, the Meretz Kol in the Vesaret, uh, so his savior gives a, a beautiful shot. He says that Eretz Yisrael is compared to a korban, and the halacha is that if a person brings a korban, let's say a person does a navera, right? I don't know. is mechal shabbos, so brings a korban, korban chatas in the base of but he thinks it's a magic potion. It doesn't do any any tshuva. Right? The korban is a is a goal, is a means to an end. It's not just a magic potion that eliminates your sins. So if the, kor- the halacha is that if korban is brought, but a person doesn't really do tshuva, so the korban is meaningless, and the sin is not forgiven. So similarly, if a person lives in Eretz Yisrael, but, and does no form of tshuva whatsoever, right, so then a person has their sins. Right? So when a Pesach threatens, right, the land will spit you out, right, that's only if we don't do tshuva, if we don't, uh, you know, do any tshuva for our, for our virus. The Gemara says that everyone lives in Eretz Yisrael without sin, so that's only if a person uh, does proper tshuva. So while that's a beautiful answer, uh, no, no, that is a, I don't know, let's not judge answers, right? That's a beautiful answer. The Pnei Meshua on that Gemara, Exubus, right, on Kufir Aleph, right, I, gives a different answer. And he says that Eretz Yisrael only helps a person, if a person there is living there in order to fulfill, right, the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. Right, if that person lives there for another reason, right, the weather, the food, whatever, so then you don't get any help. But if you're living there in order to fulfill the great mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael, so then you can apply, right, that uh, everyone who lives in Eretz Yisrael without sin. Uh, now, Think about it. That, that is incredible. Right? That is an incredible thing. Right? If a person wants to live in Eretz Yisrael with the intention to fill the mitzvah, person the person lives without sin. But now, I, now I'm not the, obviously I'm not the big man upstairs. I'm not the judge right, I, who determines this. But think about the the power and the kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. Right? Again, we coming off of uh, you know the holidays. I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but. Not really, right? Of uh, of Yom Atzmut and Yom Zikaron, um, I'm not a big time Zionist, but there, as Rav Asher Weiss was was said to someone I know recently, said that you have to treat it as if it's a day Yom Shacholabonais, the day there was a miracle, the Amish to come back to Eretz Yisrael in some form or fashion. Uh, think about the extraordinary power of living in Eretz Yisrael and the mitzvah to live in that. That of course, again, the Torah mentions Eretz Yisrael all the time. When you come to Eretz Yisrael, when you come to Eretz Yisrael. Oh, by the way, when you come to Eretz Yisrael, when you come to Eretz Yisrael, think about the koch of Eretz Yisrael. Right? A person, 
who is not thinking necessarily about living in Eretz Yisrael, so has to really do a din v'cheshman, right? Is is there a real reason why you're living in Chutz Laaretz? And there could be, and there could be many, many reasons, and there are many, many legitimate reasons to live in Chutz Laaretz. But uh, just the koach of Eretz Yisrael to, to impact a person's kedusha right, is something that has to be uh, dealt with at least uh, on a emotional and an intellectual level. Um, and in economy, there could be reasons that, that uh, people stay in Chutz Laaretz, but there needs to be a reason. It can't just be, uh, you know, just that's what everybody does. Right? That person, we have to think about right, what our goal and what our place is in, in this destiny of Am Yisrael. Uh, and what, what do you, as Rebbe once used to say, he was, he was a little bit of an extremist, but uh, he used to tell me, do you want to be on the sidelines or do you want to be in the game? So I wouldn't say Jews and Chutzlers are living on the sidelines. That's not. That's far from it. I don't. I don't think that's fair to say. Uh, but yeah, listen, there has to be. It has to be dealt with because the Torah does certainly give this tremendous kedusha there to Israel, um, and uh, it should be something that is that is at least considered uh, once in a while. Okay, that's uh, that's that's not the uh, Aliyah speech that I was intending to give, but that's uh, let's, let's go all right there. Uh, if you look a little closely at the at the parshios. Many of the mitzvahs that appear in Parshish Kedoshim are repeats from Achremos, mostly in the realm of uh, Arayos, and uh, inappropriate relationships. Uh, there's some other examples, like, for example, Molech. Uh, we have a bunch of four or five, like, almost four or five times, I think, if I'm not mistaken, talk about Molech. Uh, and, and the question is, wh- what's the double? Why do you have to say it twice? So, again, just in terms of a technical, halachic, legal analysis, uh, Raj already quite... Uh, quotes this, right? and explains that basically that there's something called uh, an azhara and an onesh, that for the Torah to give a punishment for something, right, it first has to tell you it's usher, and then has to tell you what the punishment is. So it doesn't always do that explicitly, but okay, well, that's, that's the halakhic mechanism. So again, what happens once to tell me that, it, that it's usher, and then it tells me uh, that what the punishment is, right, karis, etc., etc., whatever whatever the punishment is. But the question still remains, right? Even if it has to be tweaked slightly, right, tweak it a little bit, why do you need to spread these warnings, right, the, the azharos and the onesh, the warnings and the, and the punishments, you have to spread it out over the course of two partios. And it's so close to each other, like sometimes you have a, an azhara and, and a joshua and, and a warning, Sorry, a, a, a warning and a punishment. Sometimes it's like in Shmos and in Dvarim. So, okay, so you don't ask why they're not together. But here they're so close to each other. We read it in the same week, right? They're back-to-back partios, right? One is one is Parak Yudches and one is Parak Chaf. So you have to ask, perhaps, why are they so close to each other? So if you look perhaps at, I thought to say that, maybe if you look at Parak Yudches, right, which is the chapter in between uh, the forbidden relationships in Parshas Sachremos and the forbidden relationships in Parshas Kedoshim, Look at the halachos and the mitzvos in Parakid Tess. Right? All those mitzvos, almost entirely, are bedavim lechaveru. Right? Crucial like, community functionality, uh, like don't delay payment to your workers, right? Don't put a stumbling block in front of your friend, get up for the elderly, you have leket, you have shecha, you have peya, uh, honest weights, being honest in business, right? not stealing. Right? All this stuff is community, society, focused. It, it, all this stuff has to happen if, if the society is going to function. And for a community to function, uh, I would argue that the unit that has to be enforced, right, the, the, the gates around this topic, if you will, is the family, is the family unit, is the purity and the, the morality, not immorality, but the morality and the values of the family. 
Right, that, that families need to be cohesive, right, and 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 getting along, and and with kedusha and tara, right, to build a community. A neighborhood of broken families is is a neighborhood that's broken, right. It's it's not without you know giving examples of nowadays, right. Get the nineteenth chapter, right, the Perikid test in, in, in Sefer Vayikra, right, is is basically all these uh, all these uh, all these what's it called all these. Um, these community-based things, and around that, the brackets around that is the is the family purity that is crucial, right, to to keeping the family together and keeping you know uh, us focused on holiness and kedusha. And, and that I thought just to highlight is is the home is where the cr- most crucial learning elements uh, take place. Yes, we need good schools and we need good rabbanim and we need good female teachers, whatever you call them, rabbani, yot, <laughs> whatever. But the core education of a child comes from their parents, right? The family, from the home, right? That's something that's sometimes overlooked, right? The, the fact that the home matches the chinuch in the school, right? Very often the kids get confused, at least in my experience, very often kids are confused because the chinuch at home does not match the chinuch at school, regardless of in which direction, right? Sometimes more from, less from, whatever it is. And, and sometimes the chinuch of kids gets overlooked by the parents, myself included, certainly, definitely. Because I'm so busy with my day-to-day life, I just, okay, whatever you're getting, you know, you're learning how to read Mishnayis and Gemara in school, I'm just going to deal with what I have to deal with. But that's not how it works, right? We have to focus on ourselves, right, and building our kids and our families, right, first, and then, right, building our community outwards, right, and, and really our nation, because the, our nation is, is, a, is, a, is a collection of communities, and therefore, and a collection of families as well. Okay, um, let's move on a little bit uh, to the Voda Beisamikdash. Uh, and then we'll do a little bit in Kedoshim to you. Just one example of the, the Vodah Beis Amikdash, uh, the Suri Lazazel. I feel like this is highlighted by everybody, but I just wanted to just point it out. One of the weirdest, if I might say, Chas Shalom, don't feel like saying that, but one of the weirdest Avodas, right, in the entire Torah, maybe. Right? What do you do? You take two identical goats, exactly the same, right? You take La- Kongal, cast does a lottery, Right. One goes to Hashem, one goat is Lashem, and that goes on the Mizbeach, Shechted, sprinkled, and Kodesh Kedashim, etc. And one goes to Azazel, right? He takes basically long, it takes a long walk off a short cliff, right? To atone for the sins of the Jews, uh, carries the sins of the Jews. I mean, what is this religion? <laughs> like, what's going on over here? Right? I don't even want to say it, but it, it smells like a Vodazar. Like, what is this? So, obviously, obviously, the, the Parshanim are all over this. Um, and you know, my question is it's not not a not a question that has never been asked, obviously. So there, just to give two examples, um, which highlight will highlight an idea. Right, the Rambam writes in the Morning of Uchim, uh So obviously he holds again the Rambam in in his classic, you know, uh, kind of litvish, straight logical style. Obviously, when the puzzle says that the goat carries the sins of the Jews, that's obviously sins are averos are not something we can just throw off a cliff, right? We don't just put our Averos on the back of a goat and, and, and kill it, and then our Averos are magically gone. Rather, says the Rambam, the, everything is a muscle. Everything is an image. Right? It's supposed to imprint upon us. Right? We're supposed to see this and have some sort of reaction inside. So what do we see? Again, what do we see? A need for tshuva. We need to... The Rambam, what the Sirla Zazel, getting, taking the sins, quote-unquote, and throwing it off a cliff shows that we can do that as well. We can take our bad actions, our midos, our hanhagos, our habits that we have done this entire year, and it is possible. We can throw them off a cliff, right? A person can get the courage to leave the bad things they've done, 
Right? It, it is totally possible. Is it hard? Yeah, of course it's hard. But the, the Avodah is, is supposed to show a person that they can do tshuva, that they can change, that they can break free of whatever they've done. It is possible to start fresh. And Hirsch takes this an, another step uh, and point, paints the imagery in such a poignant way, such a beautiful way. He says, what are you looking at? What's going on over here? You have two goats right, that are identical. It has to be Exact. Same height, same appearance, same color, etc. Both of them are standing in front of a Kosh Baruch Hu, outside the Ohomo and outside the Kodesh, etc. Both of them have the possibility, equal, right? It's a lottery, right? It's equal possibility of going for a Kosh Baruch Hu or being Lazazo. Right? You have, both of them can be either one. And yet one of them gets to the holiest of holies, shechted by a knife, uh, blood accepted by klishares, sprinkled in the holiest place in the world, offer, offered on Mizbeach to Kosh Baruch Hu. The other one gets thrown off a cliff. Right? The imagery is, is beautiful and clear in the sense that we are those goats. Right? We have two choices. We have two paths in front of us. Right? We are also standing at that crossroads. And I heard once from a Rav, who, who I don't remember who, who it was, and then he should get his scar, and, and maybe he was just quoting him first, I don't remember. I, I don't, I don't, but that image is even more powerful because what do you see from that choice, right? That what do you see in the immediate aftermath, right? The guy who chose holiness, uh, the guy, the goat who chose holiness, quote unquote, right, is shechted immediately, and the goat that, or the guy that chooses to go la zazel, right, chooses the easy path, the path of pleasure and all of etc. What does he do? He's taking a nice tiul, right? He's going on for a nice walk. This guy's leading me. There's food. There's you know, it's a, it's a desert, a beautiful scenery. In, in the immediate aftermath. Right? It looks good to be like the Sir Lazozo. Right? It's much more enticing. Right? He's probably thinking, the goat's probably thinking, I got off scot-free. That guy just got killed. Oh my gosh. Right? He's enjoying himself. He's thinking that he, he hit the jackpot. But yet both of them right, end up dead at the end of the day. Right? One violently right? and one in the holiest of ways. Right? Offered uh, in, in the holiest of places. This is our life choice. Right? We're all ending up, just to, not to be morbid, but we all up in the, end up in the same place. And the question simply is, how do you get there, right? What do you do on the way to to the grave? Not to be, not to be, uh, you know, dramatic and, and and terrifying. But this is a question that we don't only face in Yom Kippur. Right? It is a question we face every single day. Right? We, we every single day we're faced with many of these types of choices. How do we respond? Right? Do we choose the life of pleasure and enjoyment and and you know carefree and whatever, or do you li- choose the life of meaning and holiness, etc.? Right? The evil path is attractive. Right? Law is also is very attractive at first. Right? It pays immediate dividends and enjoyment, and you relax and etc. But ultimately, it ends with a with a, a drop off a steep cliff. Right? That's the demise. It comes very quickly. Right? Person's taking walking nicely. All of a sudden, the floor is not there, and boom, he's t- tumbling down, tumbling down uh, a ravine. Uh, but that, <laughs> that's very dramatic. But but that's that choice that we face every single day, and that's the avodah b'samedes. That's what we're trying to impart on us on Yom Kippur. Now that we all have that choice, um, and certainly on Yom Kippur, but even every single day, we have that ability right, to kind of choose. Uh, one way or another. Okay. Uh, there are several approaches to what the words Kedoshim to you mean, right? The Pazik says, be holy. What does that mean? What does it mean, be holy? So many, many approaches. Uh, you know, you can definitely look all over the place and you can find a different take on it. I just wanted to, to point out two of them. Um, uh, just to... Mm, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll quote it eventually. Right? Rav Nelson Sifenko um, quotes of Shimon Shkop. Shemesh Kapan Hagdama to Sefer Shari Yosher writes that the mitzvah is obviously to to make ourselves holy, but how do you do that? 
What does that mean? Says Hashem Mishkop, a person becomes Kadosh when you use your physical and spiritual abilities to help other people. Not only for our own pleasure, right, where we will be the sole beneficiary of our growth, right, but in a way that also considers others. For example, if a person wants to get healthy and get into shape, so the goal is, the Kadoshin to you is not just so we'll look ripped and have more self-confidence and etc. and be better at basketball, which is fine, Agav, but you should try and be healthy, etc. and try and improve your self-confidence, that's fine, uh, but also so, so that you should use that strength and ability to help others, right? You give, uh, I don't know, more piggyback rides to the kids, uh, you can help train other people, uh, stay healthy as you can raise a family, get in shape for your spouse, whatever you want. Right? When you, a person extends what they're doing to other people, that's Kedushin to you, says Rosh Hashem Right? Or when a person, similarly, when a person learns Torah, it should be to some extent, right, so they can share that Torah with other people, right? Or to help create growth in other people, right? Not necessarily only by giving over what you've learned, right? You don't have to, even though it's very nice, you don't have to run up to every single one of your friends and tell them, check out what I just learned in this Gemara, which is, obviously, it's beautiful, and, and people do that, but not not only by giving over what you learned, right? But even just being in the base matters or just going to a shear, right, or whatever, right, creates an atmosphere, right, creates a, a feeling, right, amongst the chevra and, and the base matters and the neighborhood and the shul, whatever, whoever, whatever you're talking about, encourage others, people, other people uh, to go as well. Uh, because if a person's main hanah is for themselves, right, if everything the person is doing is focused inward, right, to enjoy this world or even spirituality, but for themselves to grow, so then you're just, what are we? We're just a nation of selfish people. Right, looking to enjoy each other, right? Enjoy ourselves at everybody else's expense. Right? So Shkup quotes a fascinating medrash uh, on Kedoshim Tiyu. So the medrash says, uh, fascinating. Uh, you can't even believe that it, it says this. The medrash says, Yochel Kamoni. You might have thought that the commandment of Kedoshim Tiyu to be holy is be holy like me, i.e., like a Kadosh Baruch Hu, not me. Yochel right? <laughs> Kamoni. You might have thought that the medrash says that the commandment is to be holy like Hashem. Therefore, it says. Ki kadosh ani Hashem because I am holy, I am Hashem your God, and not my holiness is kilu higher than yours. That's what the measure says. And the question is like so obvious. First of all, does anybody even think we could be holier than a kadosh baruch hu? Like, and, and, and even more than that, who who even compares the holiness of a person and a kadosh baruch hu? Like human holiness and godly holiness? What Yachol Kamoni? You might have thought that you should be holy like me. Therefore, I'm telling you that I have to tell you. Hashem has to tell us that His holiness is higher than us. <laughs> like our holiness? What? Like what in the world is this measure? Says Hashem Shkab, If that's the definition of kedusha, of giving to others, then you can understand. Right? We can somewhat, sort of, compare our holiness to Kosh Baruch Hu. Kosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate giver. Right? Obviously, He created this world for us, right? For us to enjoy. That's the beginning of Misil Sharm. Right, and we also, though, give and help other people. Right, obviously, obviously on a different scale. Right, I mean, every moment the Kosh Baruch Hu is mekayim the world, gives its kiddush. Right, it, it's all for us. Right, mechadish b'du b'cholim tov ma'asabreishes. Hashem is in His goodness. Right, being mechadish, redoing ma'asabreishes every single day. Right, but a Kosh Baruch Hu wants our actions also to be, emulate Him somewhat and be do do things for other people. So we're commanded kiddushim to you. Set yourself apart for the pleasures of this world, not in order to you know, avoid the pleasures that Akash Baruch Hu did, but to use the physical in order uh, to help others. From Nelson Zvi quotes the Mishnah in Perek Yavuz, in Perek Vav, uh, Mishnah Hay, that someone who learns Torah in order to teach it, right, is given the ability to learn and teach. But someone who learns Torah in order, lasos, in order to do, is given the ability, lilmo, to learn, lalamed, to teach, and lasos, and to do. And obviously that is very vague. 
So, and the question is, what does that mean? So there's several interpretations. Uh, well, obviously, a person who's learning to teach is not uninterested in doing mitzvahs. What do you mean? This The extra level is lasos, is to do. Right? There's two levels. Lumod lalamed, right? To learn and teach. And then lumod lamed lasos, to learn, to teach, and to do. Wait, you're telling me that the first guy who's learning in order to teach is not interested in mitzvahs? I guarantee you, all the rabbinim in the world who are learning in order to teach are also going to do all the mitzvahs. So what does this mean? What is this third step of lasso? So many, many interpretations. One of them is the Bartanura, which says that if a person learns in order to learn, but has no intention to do chesed to other people, right? so he's given the ability to learn and teach. But if he puts effort into doing gemilas chasadim, to also doing chesed for other people, then he's given the ability to do all three. Because a person might have thought that chesed gets in the way. I'm going to spend three hours at the nursing home? What do you mean? Who's going to, what's going to happen to afternoon seder? By the way, that's not a, you should stay in afternoon. If you're in yeshiva, you should learn afternoon seder. That's not what I mean. But, but if you do a chesed, right, maybe it'll impact your learning. You're not going to remember it. It's going to get in the way of your teaching, your parnas, etc. That's not true. Right? If a person will be given even more ability to learn and teach, and their chesed won't affect it uh, whatsoever. Chavetz Chaim, on the other hand, right, explains differently, based on the Rabban. Chavetz Chaim explains... And what is this third level of lasos, right? The lilmo, lalamid, and lasos to do? What does that mean? He explained based on the Ramban, right? The Ramban says that, right, again, that Kedoshim to you, the Torah was given to men uh, to be holy. What does that mean to be holy? The Torah was given to men and not angels because right, we have an ability, right, to choose and to grow. And he, the, ways he, the way he phrases it is that we have a, lish, a she'ifa, lishosh, lishof, a she'ifa, a desire. Right, an aspiration to strive, to put an effort in order to become holy. Right, only only people can be holier, can get holier. Right, angels are fixed. They're they're kind of right. They're omdim. They're standing there. They don't they don't grow. They don't move. Humans have an ability to accomplish. So therefore, the phrase is to have a sheifa, to have a desire to strive for holiness and put in the effort to get there. That that can only be a person who has Yitzhahara. It says in the Revelation Svi, a sheifa, a desire, a want, that's the sort of growth. Right? A person without a desire, and a sheifa is what he calls it, that person can't get anywhere. Right? A person who desires greatness, who uh, uh, will will see us at the Shema in all ways to get higher and higher, uh, than they expected. And that's from Nelson Svi quotes the Nitziv on that, on that mission. He says, the Nitziv in Harachayv Davar uh, writes, the person who learns in order to teach, what does that mean? What is it? Lilmod Lamed? Uh, that's referring to someone who learns in order to understand the simple pshat. Right? So you can teach children or people on the level of children, etc. But that person certainly gets to have right? But a person who learns in order, lasos, i.e., in order, if he has a shifos, if he has a desire to do and grow and to do even more, right, to aspire to learn to the depths of, of to be mechadish, so then he's given that as well. A person is given the ability to go deep and learn uh, to the point where he can be mechadish, like we see in the Gemara says in Tainus, right, mitalmidai yosher mikulam, says Renaissance a person, when a person has to give over shirim to talmidim, so very often I find that certainly for myself as well, right, that uh, when you have to prepare a shir, very often you know it better and you have to get the reasons down pat and the svaras, etc., etc. So all Hatzlaka and Limit Torah, says Renaissance is to the level of a person's shi'ifos. What, a person's level, a, a, a person's level of desire. What do you want? What are you shooting for? If you're, if you want more, you'll get help from a kosh to to do more. Right? If you want to read chumash and finish chumash, okay, you'll get siyad deshmaya. If you want to learn tanakh, you'll get siyad deshmaya. If you want to learn mishnayos, you'll get siyad deshmaya. If you want to finish a masechta, help us on the way. Finish shas, no shas, like Rav Chaim said. I remember the last uh, 
at the last Yemen Shas, they showed a video of Chaim, of Chaim uh, Kanievsky. They said to him that right now, many thousands of Jews have finished Shas. What would be Rav Chaim, what would be the Rosh Shiva's, uh, the, the God of Lador's message to all these Jews? And I remember Rav Chaim smiled and he said, to know Shas. Right? There's finishing Shas and there's knowing Shas. And that means Hashem, right? That's, that, that's something else. But again, everything is dependent upon your level of desire. Everything is dependent on your level of Shifos. That's Lasos. When a person is Lomod Lamed and Lasos, he wants to get even deeper and understand even better. So think about what you want, right? Literally, quite literally, what you want is what you get. Right? That's what Rekosh Baruch Hu is, uh, is going to give us. Uh, and make sure you're shooting high enough, right? because the, literally, quite literally, the sky uh, is the limit. And it's dependent on, right, entirely on what a person wants in life, and that's what the Kosh Baruch gives to Adishmael for. Okay, we've got to mention, just very quickly to finish up, we've got to mention Vafta Lorecha Kamocha, because one of, obviously one of the most famous Psukim in the Chumash, this week's Parsha Parsha Kedoshim, and obviously being during Sefirah Sa'omer, right, we have to we have to mention that. Obviously, Rabbi Kiva says, Kal Gadol Torah, right, after Lorecha Kamocha, this is a great rule in the Torah, uh, but as an aside, right, how could it be? Rabbi Kiva's big rule, Kal Gadol Batora, was Vafta Lorecha Kamocha, and what was the great sin of his Talmidim, of his 24,000 Talmidim? Lo Nagu Kavod Zebazet. How in the world could Rabbi Kiva's Talmidim not give each other this Kavod? If this is Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva's thing, it was not like Shabbos or Tzitzis. It was literally Vafta Lorecha Kamocha, and then his Talmidim died because Lo Nagu Kavod Zebazet. How is that even possible? So, obviously, many answers, not my question. Uh, but Ravelli Baruch Saim, Shulman, who's one of the Rosh Hashiva at YU, right, just points out very beautifully, and very powerful, actually, that there's a difference. What, what's two two phrases? Love your fellow like yourself, and they didn't give kavod to each other. Says Reveli Baruch Shulman, there's a difference between kavod and ava. There's a difference between honor and love. And unfortunately, we don't always honor and respect the people that we love, right? That's very powerful, something to think about, but not what we're going to talk about right now. Rav Melech Biederman, I can't go a week without quoting Rav Melech. Uh, Rav Melech Biederman quotes Rav Chaim Vital in Shara Kedusha, Rav Chaim Vital in Shara Kedusha, uh, right, Talmud of the Arizal, right, who points out that the concept of having good midos, right, is not emphasized and not written out clearly in the Torah, because the midos are what he calls a la Torah, a preparation for the Torah, in order to be able to fulfill the mitzvahs. And as he quotes Tanah uh, Be'aliyo, right, Yaakov Shimoni, right, Derech Eretz Kodmala Torah. And it sounds like something that should come from Pergeavos, but it's not actually in Pergeavos. Uh, ironically, Pergeavos talks about Derech Eretz, right, but it doesn't mean Derech Eretz, as we know the phrase Derech Eretz means, you know, good midos. Derech Eretz in Pergeavos almost always, I think, refers to Parnassah. Refers to uh, making a livelihood, but okay. Um, but it says Tanis Be'elio, right? That's Derek Eretz Kadmon the Torah. Midos come before uh, the Torah. And Rav Meila quotes Rav Eli Lopian. Rav Eli Lopian was Rashiva in Eitzchayim in London and Mashkiach in uh, in Kfar Chasidim. In, 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 uh, I forget the name of the yeshiva, uh, but uh, he gives a classic marshal. He says when a person is building a house from scratch. Right, you buy it, tear it down. Right, you know, buy something, tear it down, building it up again. So he goes over every detail of the house with a contractor. Right, how big is this room? How big is that room? Right, how many bathrooms? Walk-in closet for the wife, etc. But at no point do they even mention the foundation. Right, it's understood that without having mentioned it, right, however big the house is going to be, right, that's how big the foundation has to be. Right, and the foundation has to be built right, in order to support whatever house you're building. So it says of Lopian, that's the relationship between Torah and Midos. Torah is the house, but Midos are the foundation. Right, if a person's foundation is rotten or it has some mold or termites or whatever. So the entire building is in danger. 
So that's that's the chizuk that we have to give to work in our midos even more. Certainly now during the days of Sfiras Omer, right? Uh, to build this foundation, uh, so we can be zochah. Then therefore, the coming Mashiach, based on Mikdash, so we can truly count Sfiras Omer midaraisa, right? Amen. Can you also have an amazing, amazing Shabbos?